When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 420. Terry Miller, the disc golf guy out here in Colorado. What an appropriate yeah, place to be for episode 420, Terry. Yeah, I'm in Colorado. Uh, Johnny V's back in Milwaukee. And in just a few moments, we're going to have one of our champions this weekend, Ella Hansen. She's going to be joining us in just a few moments. And, uh, man, some international conversation for sure from this weekend. Of course, we had a Disc Golf Pro Tour Silver Series event. We'll quickly recap that. But also, uh, I just returned a few hours ago from Sweden, uh, where I was there for the sixth stop of the Swedish Disc Golf Pro Tour, the Disc Golf Terminalen, that took place up in Sheletvia. And meanwhile, Ella Hansen was also leaving the country, going international to pick up a win herself, along with, uh, who else did we see over on the... Uh, MPO side, Thomas Gilbert, Mr. Gilbert from Canada. Yeah. Yeah. From Canada. He took it down uh, defending some of his home turf or home country turf. So uh, welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining. I'm sorry if you were here and you, you missed out last week. Johnny, they, I, I. They didn't miss did, out did on you, anything. You held, you held it down? I held it down all by myself oh, for a little while for about. Jeez, you know, what a treat. Two and a half to three hours. Just oh my god. Non-stop Johnny. I mean really, you can't ask wow. you can't ask for more than that. Yeah, I, yeah some no, some could. You well, can't, Terry. <laughs> all right. Well, what we can ask for is we're going to have uh right now joining us our champion from this weekend at the Canadian National Championships presented by Plating and Sports, Ella Hansen. What's up everybody? Hey, Ella. How are you doing? Doing very well in in lovely Vermont, enjoying this little rainstorm passing through. <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, as we know, the there there were people scattered everywhere this last weekend, and 
So my very first question, well, I actually have one that's a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit odd that I want to start with, actually, before we even get to that is, and I think most people are wondering this, how much do you love bagels and why is your Twitter handle bagel powered? Where did, <laughs> I love give bagels. Give us the backstory. <laughs> uh, I love bagels a lot. I'm, I'm Jewish, so I grew up eating bagels like multiple times a week. And, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's like when you start making social media, you're like, I don't know what I should make this. And so, yeah, I started as bagel powered because I eat a lot of bagels. I think my record is eight bagels in one apartment. Anyone else try that? It, you know, but and yeah, I just, I just love a good bagel. It's pretty. Pretty tasty. Do you? So many more follow-ups. Johnny, go ahead. (laughs) There, there is the maybe it's a nationwide, maybe it's just a New York thing. Do you agree that New York has the best bagels? Like every New Yorker thinks they have the best bagels. I don't know if it's because of the. They say it's the water that's there. I don't know if they're if they're pulling it from from the 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 ocean or the or the river. But do you agree that New York has the best bagels, or would you pick a bagel from someplace else? I think New York, I would say New York has the best bagels. I was just like, you know, there's like a couple of good spots on the West Coast, but I would say for the most part, East Coast bagels are um, much superior to West Coast bagels. Like bagels you can get just from the grocery store on the uh, East Coast are like superior to like bagel store bagels on the West Coast for the most part. So, um, yeah, I think, I think the East has, has a legal scene launch. Interesting. Now, uh, the, before we get down to the, you know, to the disc golf business, then I have to ask what, what's the go-to bagel and what's, what's the, uh, you know, the topping of choice or, or spread or whatever. I, I, I don't even know where you're going with this. What, what, what do you putting on a bagel then my my go-to my favorite is the just a plain old bagel toasted with cream cheese usually do too if i'm hungry if i'm ordering from a place um it's got them cheese though you know is pretty pretty close part across but some places you get you they make really good bagels but like have crappy cream cheese and it just ruins the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> um okay yeah i i could i could go on with a hundred other follow-ups like as in uh w- what's the biggest chain place that is still acceptable so you know like i i think immediately of a panera or something of that nature what's like the biggest chain that you're like okay it's a chain but it, it it'll still do to me, Panera is like stooping just a little too low. I like Panera for some other food, but but not for the bagels. I I would go with like Einstein Bros. I think that they have, you know, decent bagels. I wouldn't wouldn't put them up top tier, but they're definitely like give me the right vibe. If it's not quite the the right uh, length of vibe, you know what I mean? Okay, okay. Well, everyone, and your so your official handle on Twitter is just Bagel Powered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So. Come hang out. 
Uh, so if you want to know where, you know, maybe some of the, the premise that this opening conversation comes from, that that's exactly it. And Twitter also, uh, I don't want to say you're unique clearly in that in that sense, but Twitter's your go-to social media. And I guess in disc golf, that's somewhat unique. Like, I don't know that that's one of the most popular disc golfer options. Yeah, I that, feel like it's, it's been kind of growing. Um in the past year, although, you know, I'm also, the whole sport is growing, obviously, but, um, yeah, I think that it's definitely, you know, Instagram is the much more accessible and, uh, you know, you can find pretty much all of your favorite pros on Instagram, fewer on Twitter, but I would say like you got some high quality pro pickings on Twitter, you got, you know, some good ones, got Mariva, Andrew Fish, Zach Melton, I'm sure I'm forgetting some other other Twitterers, but obviously, you know, Terry Miller. So <laughs> there's, there's some good, I, I, good quality I'm, on there. T- Terry's on I'm Twitter to complain about because things. Because you guys are. Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> that, that's a good point. And I'm only there because, like you said, it feels like it's growing a little bit. And uh, I'm starting to come around a little bit. But all right. So uh, speaking of, we'll say, uh, making choices, this weekend was jam-packed. In that some lots of people understood understandably just took the weekend off uh, post worlds. Um, a number of people, of course, played in the Silver Series event. Congrats uh, to those winners and those competitors. Um, and then, yet we saw you and uh, quite a few notables head to Canada. So. Break down why Canada, why are you going to that event, you know, when and how did you make that decision? Yeah, I was originally signed up for the the Silver Series, and then a few people actually reached out with connections to Dismania and OTB, two of my sponsors. Um, and Dismania was sponsoring Canadian Nationals, and then uh, the TD, Ben Smith, reached out and said, you know, if you get here, we'll we'll – host you we'll make sure you're where you need to be um we'll make it a great experience for you and i knew that you know some of my good friends um had been to that tournament before and were were planning to go so it was it, it took a little bit of thinking for me to head up there but um yeah it was absolutely worth it and um everything that was promised to me was definitely uh followed through on like more so than I could have expected in terms of hospitality. So I'd say it was a pretty solid decision. Yeah, I got some real I got some real cool vibes watching some of the Instagrams of the original and I know we've talked about this on the show before, the original Pro Tour setup with the uh the Funhouse games. We saw you and I think Thomas Gilbert playing mm-hmm. Connect Four. I, I think I saw a few other games that were there with uh uh maybe it was a mini like a tic tac toe or I won't say mini but like a the the one step bigger than mini is what everyone call everyone calls it something different these days you know but uh, the junior discs so to speak macro or the macro the junior dependent yeah it all depends on what company uh, I got I got some really cool old school disc golf pro tour vibes from when we had a a ton of games that first year and I, I thought man I'd love to see those come back once in a while either at like PEI or Canadian Nationals or whatever they whatever it is I think it's really cool to have an event like that. Yeah, it was super fun for me. Um, you know, I apparently not that many like pro pro tour, pro touring players like make it up to Canada. So um, the 
fans were awesome. They were super hyped for all the pros that made it up there. And I like, like, I think I've learned this about most disc golfers, but I just love to play games. Like if you put a game in front of me, I'm probably down to play it. So, um, yeah, that, that connect four was super fun. Played some cornhole. I learned a new game called washers and, uh, yeah, I had, I had a really, really good time. Um, what, what is it about that event? Because it's, it's been offered, and it's drawn in a number of large names throughout the last couple of years. You know, you said what kind of ultimately got you there, but what do you feel like is is uh, you know so attractive to everybody uh, that's been going there? And and you know, do we have to like reevaluate where it sits within the tour so it does or doesn't conflict with other things, or is it just inevitable that it is it has this conflict? Yeah, I think that. I think that it's a good enough, high quality enough tournament that it could be an elite event. It could be a silver series. You know, it, it, you know, they're thinking about trying to put in a bid for world. So, um, mm. I definitely think that they have the infrastructure up there and the, the, you know, experience in terms of running high quality events. Like obviously it's only says it's an A tier, but like, honestly, to me, it felt like, like a more elite event than like us women's did this year and last year just in terms of, you know, no shade to like the TDs or anything. That's just what's, what's what I felt like in my experience at the event in terms of how I was treated, in terms of how the courses played, how they were set up, amenities and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, the, the Prince Edward Island is absolutely beautiful. Um, it's awesome. You know, I got to go kayaking. I got to go swimming in the ocean got to eat a lot of hand pies. Um, and you know, we just had a really good time and, and also played some beautiful disc golf courses. The courses were, were amazing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at, you know, I, I didn't realize there was 450 competitors, uh, overall for the event, which is crazy. There were 12, uh, open women and, uh, I see 40 M or I'm sorry, uh, 22 MP forties, 21 MP fifties, uh, and so on and so forth. And then also in MPO, there were 66. So, you know, stout in terms of uh, having a really good professional side, obviously a large AM player base. Are you looking at multiple courses? How are they rotating so many people through um, to play? How does that work? Yeah, I believe that they had uh, four courses. And I really like the way they set up the tournament. They had the... Um, Amps play Thursday through Saturday and pros played Friday through Sunday. So, um, okay. Am got the Sunday off and, you know, they could head home if they want, but quite a few stayed out. We had a really awesome size gallery for women and men on Sunday, um, which was really fun because yeah, like I said, a lot of those people have never really seen top level touring pros play. So I think they really enjoyed the experience. Um, as well that that was provided like both to get to play Canadian nationals and then also get to spectate as well instead of kind of having that overlap um, and I believe we played four different courses um, MPO and FPO played Hillcrest which um, is traditionally I believe one of the courses that Canadian nationals has been on that's the one I'm sure people have seen the video of Simon putting into the water from the drop zone mm -hmm. like yep. a bunch of times <laughs> um 
no, we didn't have a job sign on this year. Um, and then we, there's a course called King's Pine, a course called Hucket, that's before. And then we also played a newer course called Ali. Um, so they were all within an hour of each. I believe the two we played were maybe 15, 20 minutes apart. Just beautiful, beautiful disc golf. Awesome. And you, you know, I'm just looking at the scores again. I was in what I feel like is a whole nother world. Uh, so I, I'm getting caught up on everything from this weekend. But you went into the final round with what, a, a 10 or 11 stroke lead somewhere in that neighborhood? Yeah, I think it was 11. Okay. So at that point, I am, is it fair to say you're feeling very comfortable? and and or or not i mean talk about like nerves and and what it means i mean you you feel like you're you are a staple on the tour and some of us have to remember oh yeah you haven't been playing for 10 years and you haven't been touring for 10 years so talk about what that's like having that sizable lead and then the pressures going into your final round yeah it definitely made me feel more comfortable um going into that final round um, but really I was just trying to play the best disc golf that I could. I, you know, I could, I knew that I had a little bit of a cushion, um, and, and a little bit of a cushion. I knew I had a sizable cushion. Like if, you know, unless I completely imploded and one of my competitors had an amazing, amazing round, you know, and to be fair, like that course, uh, um, Hillcrest is really tough. Like the rough is really challenging. So there are some holes where, you know, some people on our card had like a four or five stroke swing just from getting into the ref. So um, I knew it was possible that I could get caught, but I, my game was feeling good. My body was feeling good. And I think with that, with that and the lead, I felt pretty confident. Okay. Um, we, we see Zoe and Dyke also. She's one of the other most notable names on there. Where where were all these competitors? And I only say that because, again, these names aren't necessarily on the tour. Um, well, I, I guess I can just scroll over. We see British Columbia, uh, another uh, British Columbian. Uh, looks like, uh, yeah, Victoria. All, all these different. Uh, so it was a, very largely a Canadian based FPO field with the exception of, I, I see Kara Lee, who I know is in the North Carolina area and, and yourself is, is, was that fair to say without, with, without me scrolling through every single yeah. person? Okay. Yeah, for sure. Definitely largely Canadian. And honestly, one of my favorite parts of the weekend was that um, a lot of, I think everyone who I played with, except for Zoe and another woman were all former ultimate players or still ultimate players. So um, that was wow. a really fun experience for me to get to play with some more ultimate players and, you know, just chat about it. And, you know, they were just all a blast, blast to play with. I had a really, really great cards all, all three days of that tournament. Uh, I'm going to interject quickly. I met Sarah Lee from Australia this week uh, when we were in Sweden, and she is a recent uh, ultimate to disc golf convert and uh, had some great conversations. And, of course, we had that that overall conversation about seeing so many of our ultimate players come into disc golf uh, largely during COVID. And she's totally bit by, you know, the, the disc golf bug that she's traveling around the world uh, playing as well. And I think she was at uh, Wor Worlds, maybe? Does that sound right? Like a few mm -hmm. weeks ago? And yep. she was there yeah, competing. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, very, very cool. Um, do you, on a weekend like this, knowing there's a pro tour event, you know, a silver series event, do you find your someone like yourself paying attention to other tournaments that are happening? I mean, you're, you're doing well, you know, you're not, you're not cruising to victory, but you're doing well, performing well. Are you guys, are you and anyone else in Canada keeping an eye on what happens to be going on at the silver series where basically the rest of our, our top level players are, are playing? Yeah, I definitely was following along with, uh, that tournament. And then with, um, uh, Tim Selinski as well. Um, yeah. which is, mm-hmm. you know, especially some of the top FBO players playing in that event. Um, so yeah. yeah, I, I mean, I'm a big disc golf fan, so I like to follow along. I didn't, I wasn't like super, you know, checking every moment, but, um, I was definitely checking, you know, occasionally just seeing what was going on and yeah, I, I, I like to stay updated. Yeah. I, speaking real quick to, to own who, uh, you know, you had the great battle with, of course, uh, back at the uh, match play championships. I mean, uh, she just took care of business like she always does. And it's so crazy to see her be very competitive in FPO on any and every given weekend. And then when she gets to the master's age where she's eligible to compete, she just just dominates. It's uh, it's pretty it's pretty crazy to see. Um, what, what, I know this is kind of a big question, but what do you feel like is, is maybe the biggest takeaway for you this weekend in having this experience at this event? Positive takeaway. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think that, you know, outside of my own play, I think that, um, just seeing how, yeah, I think this is like, honestly, my first, like event that felt like an elite event that wasn't like a tour event or, you know, worlds or one of those. Um, so that was really cool to know that like there is that infrastructure for those kind of events outside of, um, you know, outside of the tour. Um, and then in terms of like my play, I think, um, I was feeling pretty solid on the putting green for most of the weekend, um, hitting some really good lines. And honestly, like, coming from there and coming to practice like Brewster Ridge this week, um, I'm feeling pretty comfortable because the lines in Brewster are like a lot wider than the lines um, at Hillcrest and at Rose Valley, the other course we played. So I feel like it, it, it kind of prepared me well in that way. Yeah. And I, that was going to be a follow-up and somebody just asked it as well on the board, which is how much time and practice have you had otherwise at, up at, uh, at Green Mountain? Is this your, this is your first time being up there, right? Or were you up there last year? I was up here last year, although I played like, okay, yeah. um, <laughs> but, um, but it, it's, it's been really fun. Like, like I said, playing Brewster feeling, I felt really comfortable out on that course. Um, and especially just, you know, I feel like it's an interesting journey for me now, like being able to play this event again and just like feeling like just playing the course, feeling like I'm such a better disc golfer than I was last year. So that's a really like fun way to, you know, hype myself up a little bit going into this weekend. Um, so yeah, I've, I've played a full round at Brewster, um, played as I think like nine or 10 holes at, um, Fox run today, but it was raining and lightning all day and, um, had a few other commitments, but 
I'll be getting in a full practice tomorrow, and I'm I'm super stoked for the tournament. Yeah, that was going to be my follow up as well to that. Is um, w- what's the weather looking like? I was just going to go uh, I, I try and the, type it in myself. I think the weather looks pretty good up until Sunday. If you're talking tournament days, I believe the next day or two is supposed yeah. to be a little rainy there. But uh, once we hit the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, great weather. Sunday, hard to tell for sure uh, what exactly we're going to see as far on 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 Sunday itself. But um, it might be it might get a little wet on Sunday. Yeah, and you know how many days away is that? So who knows? Yeah, that that could push to Monday easily by now, and especially in Vermont, where I think the weather might be a little bit more unique with the mountains, and we've we've seen that in Colorado mm-hmm. as well, where things can push and pull different than say in the Midwest, where you know you can see it coming about a hundred miles away. <laughs> uh, you know, Ella. Everyone talks about the beauty and the majestic nature of we'll say both Vermont and being at, at the next event uh, down there at, uh, at Maple Hill. Do you get the, you know, are the leaves turning colors? Do you get some of those feels and vibes here in mid September? Describe it for everyone who maybe isn't familiar with Vermont and what we see at GMC usually. Yeah, we're, we're up in the, in, in ski town, um, Leaves are starting to turn, not on all the trees, but there's some some really nice colors. Um, it's beautiful. I'm loving it here. I loved it last year. Um, it's it's kind of like a relief just to like be out of the Midwest summer. <laughs> you know, I spent spent a lot of time there. It was hot and humid, so it's nice to like be up in the Northeast, getting some cooler weather. Um, you know, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, so it's kind of Similar, like, you know, a lot of trees, a lot of clouds and fog up in the trees and just beautiful, beautiful rolling hills and mountains up here. And it's real nice. Do you guys up in up in the Pacific Northwest, do you have a lot of uh, foliage that changes color or is it mostly pine up there? No, not not quite the color change. I think the the Northeast Falls are definitely (laughs) much more spectacular than the Pacific Northwest, but. Just like having the, you know, the, the, the non or the non deciduous trees and the, the fog. I just love it. <laughs> hey, hey, let's not try and class up our podcast here with big words. All right. I mean, I, I remember two, dis, deciduous. Jeez. I remember two things. I'm ready for that. D- d- yeah. Deciduous changes, <laughs> coniferous. You know, those are pine trees because they, they, they have cones. That's always remember coniferous and cones. I, Deciduous. I, I would stop there, Johnny, before yeah, you, you. Oh, start, I'm you done. Start, I'm start, done. I can't go any further. <laughs> Otherwise, I think Madison Walker might jump on the podcast if I go any further. I'm not going to risk that. <laughs> um, good call. Now, uh, you know, a lot of what we've seen, you know, depending on the time we've been there, we see people swimming and or uh, doing some hiking, taking in other activities. Of course, just such a beautiful area up there. Is there anything else that you either have time for or that's on your list uh, that maybe you didn't do last year that you're planning on doing outside of the golf for this weekend? Um, Yeah, the number one thing on my list, well, obviously, like, there's a little waterfall a lot of people go to and hike and throw the frisbee. That's definitely on the list. Um, but last year, I never got a maple creamy, and I need to get a maple creamy because I love soft serve ice cream, and I've you know heard really great things about maple creamies. So that's like my number one thing on the list to do. 
Um, but yeah, there's, you know, it's just nice to enjoy being outdoors. I am almost embarrassed to admit, I don't know what you're talking about. I've been up there a couple of times and maple creamy have, hasn't yeah. made my, uh, hasn't crossed my path. So enlighten us. It's like, as far as I know, it's basically soft serve with maple syrup or like maple flavored. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty sure like you can get it at like any gas station or not any gas station, but they have them apparently like the, I don't know. There's one gas station supposedly has the best out here, but all around, you know, you can buy maple syrup or maple things pretty much everywhere in this area. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, I'm embarrassed that somehow that didn't uh, hit my radar. Obviously, I'm not hanging with the right people when I've been up there a few years ago. Um, and then many know that uh, Ben and Jerry's is also what headquartered right there in in Burlington, and so that's usually a some kind of a stop or a visit for some people as well. But huh. All right. I mean, and and the the chat board's lighting up. Evan and Disc Golf Vermont. Everybody's screaming about how. Uh, um, it's, it's a must hit. So it sounds like hopefully worlds next year is when I'll see it. Um, so here we are, we're in the playoffs, you know, and, and these next two events, not only are the playoff style, but then, you know, have a cut to them after three days and everything else. I mean, is there anything for you personally that changes how you go into these next couple of events? Not really. Honestly, like I, I haven't looked specifically at points and stuff, but I'm pretty certain I'm like solidified for qualifying for tour champs. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't think that I play any better if I have like anything hanging over my head of like, Oh, I need to get, you know, this place or something like that. So honestly, I just kind of try to go into it excited for the tournament trying to put together a good round trying to stay in bounds and yeah that's that's kind of all that's on my mind um i'm feeling pretty confident that i'll be be playing all the events for the rest of the year yeah i'm not a mathematician but i'm looking at this and you're currently in eighth place in the pro tour standings um you would somehow need to pick up 200 points on mondahano which probably would mean at least a win and a and a podium in the next two events, maybe, maybe to if if you can do that, maybe you have a chance to jump up there. Otherwise, you are one hundred percent solidified into the qualifier, somewhere between you know fifth and tenth, fifth probably fourteenth, yeah, yeah, depending on what mm-hmm. happens. But you you look to be pretty well uh, situated without any without any worries. Yeah, obviously, I'm like hoping I you know put together two solid tournaments this weekend and next and. I get that little bye, but um, I'm I'm just excited. It'll it'll be my first tour champ, so I'm just excited. I'll be excited to be there either way. Uh, what you know, and that's a testament to uh, how quickly your game has developed, how much you've you know adapted. You've come to disc golf. Uh, you know, you've been one of those shining stars over the last couple of years that we've seen jump onto the tour. You. You won the distance competition at Worlds, uh, which, uh, you know, there's a lot of conversation about, obviously, for the congrats on your own. But then also the, the like the the sub point to that is that you beat Paige Pierce, who's traditionally, you know, held that spot. W- what does it say about your game? And maybe even what do you feel like your ceiling is 
with how much you've become a force just in these last couple of years. Yeah, I, that, that's a you know something I've been thinking about a lot this past couple of weeks because I had a really hot start at Worlds. Um, obviously, a couple of disappointing rounds bumped me down the leaderboard, but it was really good for me to reflect on just feeling proud of how far I've come and how much, like I said, how much better I've got this year um, as a disc golfer. Um, and yeah, Paige actually told me that she had never lost in a distance competition before, <laughs> before this past mm-hmm. week or two weeks ago, whatever it was. So um, that, that feels like a nice, nice little <laughs> thing to keep in the back of my mind. And I, I kind of knew that I had the power to outdrive Paige. You know, I've outdriven her at a few tournaments in the past. Um, and yeah, I was just, you know, <laughs> trying to throw a good shot. The wind was really tough. Um, at that tournament or not tournament at at the field events, but managed to put, get a good pull out there. And um, yeah, I'm feeling like that the distance controlled distance is, is a really, really big strength of mine. And, you know, that's definitely something that will be very useful for me at the next two tournaments. Do you throw any differently in the distance competition than you do on the course for a distance shot. Do you, do you have a, I mean, we've seen some of the, the top distance throwers. I mean, I don't think you're pulling out a 360 at this point in your career, although you never know. Um, but I've watched Paige throw distance competitions and it doesn't look like she's throwing much different than she does off the tee. I mean, she powers everything no matter what. Do, do you have a different form that you use or is it very similar to what your disc golf? Are, are you, I, I are you mature enough yet in your disc golf game to be able to separate those? (laughs) Um, I mean, I think there's some differences like for the most part on, unless there's like no OB that comes into play, I'm generally throwing like straight with like maybe a little bit of Annie, um, only putting, you know, my distance shots a little bit up, up a lot higher with more turn to, you know, really get that full S flight. Um, but I am definitely like a little less controlled with that. Or I, I kind of prefer like more of the straight line type of shot in a, in a tournament. Um, so I think there's like a little bit of a differentiation, but I have definitely not like trained for distance. Um, I just have trained to throw it good. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've, you know, in the back of my mind is this idea that I think I could beat Jen, Jen's distance world record. Um, so I think if I, if I did a little bit of training and got out into some, some salt flats, I think I, I could give her a run for her money. All right, throw uh, going to be my question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the fact that, well, I'm sorry, worlds was, was it 499 or 504 or what? 495. 495. Okay. I had all the digits there somewhere, but 495, you know, in that, uh, that very controlled environment, or I'm sorry, uh, restricted, you know, you have a, a specific fairway that you had to be in bounds for and everything else. And then, like you said, without uh, actual dedicated training time to it yet, I, I think 568.5, I think is a record, 568 and a half feet. That seems very, very practical for you. And do you, is that like a legitimate goal in the future, at some point, you're thinking, "Hey, I I do want to own that title." 
Yeah, I do. I really do want to own it. I okay. feel like I have the potential to do it. It's not like a solidified, like, okay, I'm going to go do it right now and at this specific time. But I think, you know, hopefully in one of the next couple of off seasons, that'll be something I at least give, give a run to. I would love awesome. to see I, a, a distance yeah. competition come back um, in general. I know we've talked about this because we've all, you know, we've always talked about how the MPO one or the men's comp, the men's one is almost untouchable, although with the right conditions. But I, I feel like the, the, the women's one is catchable. And we have so many women now like you and Holland Hanley, um, uh, Henna, you, you guys all crush. And to, mm-hmm. to go see somebody specifically try to break that record, I think could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, that's definitely something I want to do. I'm, I'm, you know, there's some logistics to kind of figure out and stuff, but, um, that's definitely, definitely something I'm hoping to do soon. Mm, yeah. And, and to answer somebody on the board, um, and I think this is always a great clarification, especially if you're kind of new, uh, the, the world's for the last few years has very clearly has always tried to make the distinct distinction that it is really a world's um, distance competition and it is not a WIFDIF or uh, World Flying Disc Federation uh, sanctioned competition. And there's a difference there in that Worlds usually has a, a, a quote unquote fairway or an inbounds area that you have to hit is relatively restricted. When you go to the an actual world record competition or one that's uh, sanctioned, so to speak, you can technically throw in any direction and it's from where you throw to where the disc first touches ground in either case is to where it first first touches ground. So rolls and skips and all those other things don't matter. It's the very first spot that it lands. And then obviously most of the time that the distance competitions have taken place out in the, the flatbeds out in, in, uh, New Mexico or, or Nevada, Utah and, Nevada. and Utah and that, you know, and all those different areas. So just to make a few clarifications for people wondering on the board, but if, so if somebody at world, so if Ella, for instance, you threw 709 feet, you would not have technically broken Jen Allen's record at the world championships um, for a world distance record because it wasn't a WIFDIF sanctioned um, uh, event. Uh, but I mean, obviously you would have had one of the longest throws we've ever seen, but it it's, wouldn't have technically been the new world record uh, by WIFDIF standards. So uh, that gets kind of in the weeds, but it's worth clarifying for some people um, because Worlds always has this challenge of having somewhat of a restricted or a confined space to use. And therefore, that's why it's not sanctioned and part of the the official WIFDIF uh, record-breaking opportunities. So anyway, uh, just a few details for some. Uh, all that aside, or, or maybe in mind, are there other disc disciplines and or games? You know, obviously you, you've... You've got your titles in ultimate. You're you're doing great in disc golf. Are there other disciplines that excite you that we're going to see you dipping your toes into, or maybe already do? Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've tried out a few things. Um, I wouldn't say I'm going to be like trying to compete in anything anytime soon, but um, I played 
a few rounds of uh, Double Discord, which is a super yeah. fun game. If you don't know what it is, you should definitely look it up. Um, mm-hmm. There's a. I, I lived in California for a year, and um, right by where I live just happened to be the meetup where these old and by old I mean like mostly in their 60s or older mm-hmm. guys meet up and play Double Discord, and like one of them is the number one world disc world DDC player. Um, and a bunch of other really amazing players. So that was super fun. They're all super cool people. Um, you know, I've been, I've tried a little bit of freestyle with, um, Brian Earhart, but it's not, it's not my top discipline, but it's, it's fun to try. Um, and then, yeah, we had a cool little guts demo at OTB Mm -hmm. open. Um, I haven't played guts before like that, but I played flutter guts with an ultimate disc, which is, the same concept where you're kind of trying to throw it at someone and make it hard to catch. But instead of like throwing it really hard, you kind of like flip it and make it, you know, flip around and flutter. So it's, mm. it's more challenging to catch. So, um, I've, you know, I've, I've dabbled around, but I think I'm probably, probably not going to really expand fully into those realms. Okay. I was going to say, and being a big distance thrower, obviously distance is usually a competition, but, um, uh, MTA or or self caught flight, uh, both are very popular. And it, you know, you having the running and the power, I would think like MTA would be something that you could really get excited about as well, and probably excel at. Um, would be just a guess of mine. I I could see you getting some uh, some big scores, uh, some big times in MTA. Have you have you dabbled yeah. in MTA at all? I have for sure. That's definitely something okay. I've I've done a lot. Uh, with just an ultimate disc. Um, I used to teach that. I used to teach a lot of ultimate summer camps and that was always something I would okay. teach the kids and they, they always loved it. So um, yeah, I've, I've done that MTA a lot, like throw run catch or, you know, self caught flight. I don't know exactly what those are called, but I, I definitely enjoy doing that sort of stuff, but I've never really been around somewhere that there's an actual like competition for it. So maybe if it, if it falls into my lap, I'll, I'll enter or try it out. All right, and uh, excuse my ignorance, but is the is the are, were you talking about Rick LeBeau and a few of those guys that were playing DDC maybe over in California, or, or were the, are there others that I'm not thinking? Northern about? California, actually, Conrad Damon, okay. he's the number one player. Ah, he was okay uh, yep. in in Palo Alto, and uh, you know, there's quite a few other players out there that are really good. But uh, yeah, Conrad, he's yeah. he's really good at double discard. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah, everybody should Google DDC or double discord, uh, a very, very fun game. And, uh, you often hear so many of the older generation or some of the, our pioneers our Frisbee pioneers, like almost pissed off that we're not, you know, kind of carrying on that tradition or that legacy of playing a lot of those other disciplines such as DDC. And it's, it's honestly, it's quite surprising. I know DDC is like a court, you kind of, you know, a little field you have to set up, but it's, it's not exactly rocket science or that difficult. And uh, I would love to see some more DDC uh, out there. And I'm, I'm surprised we don't, I mean, we had a can jam phase and I know everyone's all about the pickleball right now, but DDC would mm-hmm. be pretty cool to see a lot more people out there playing as well. I just think it's so, harder. Yeah, maybe. I, I think it's harder for our players. You, we know that you get, I mean, you get used to a type of disc. 
So switching back and forth for our professional players might not be, yeah. you know, the 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 most ideal situation um, for some of them. It'd be, you know, watching Major League Baseball pitcher suddenly decide he wants to do wiffle ball in the offseason. Like, it, it's going to be a little different. And so I can understand why some of our players, and honestly, if I'm, if I'm being totally 100% honest, the, it would be fun, but there's a lot of people that still need to focus on their golf game. <laughs> if I'm watching them play DDC well, in, their, I mean, in their off time, I'm I'm sitting there thinking like, couldn't you be putting? Like yeah, I saw you well, miss some of I those. Mean, we putts. could say the same about rock climbing. <laughs> we could say the same about uh, the pickleballing. I, I mean, everybody needs a little bit of a break. But you're right; some people could practice more. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's jump ahead just for a moment to the off season. I, I know it's it's still about a month away. Ella, technically the off season uh, in terms of all the big events will be wrapped up. Although we have huge events between now and then, what is what is an off season going to look like for you this year? Yeah, I'll be driving back home to Seattle. Um, be playing like the Big Bunny Skins at Eagles Crossing on the way. Um, mm. be stopping in Colorado to help out with some clinics there. And, um, yeah, I'll be, be home. The plan right now is to build out a big old van in the off season. Um, I am living in a minivan right now, which is great, but you know, more space will be helpful. So that's, that's the main plan. Uh, probably teaching some lessons. So if you're, if you're around the Seattle area, hit me up. Um, Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, building the van is the priority for sure. Do you have anything for your uh, van say, that, that is like, you've seen everybody's van now. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. knows everybody. They've all gotten tours. What you know? Give us a little insider tip. Like, what is in Ella's dream van? Like, what, what are you hoping for? Have you already started specking it out? Do you have any drawings or schematics or anything? What's going on? Yeah, I'm actually stoked because I... Um, actually studied product design in, in college. So, um, I have a lot of experience like designing and building stuff. So I'm very excited to be able to put that to use. I have done a ton of research and, you know, I think most disc golfers have a, a similar kind of setup with the bed and everything, but, um, really I'm the most excited. I am most thing that I'm most excited for to have more storage, be able to stand up, be able to cook inside of my van. Um, so I'm planning to get like an induction cooktop which i think is like kind of unique a lot of people have like gas or propane or whatever i don't know if if anyone's interested in that but you know generally just sticking with the plan that most people have but making sure i have you know lots of solar power so that i can charge all of my devices and stuff (laughs) i I mean it sounds like i don't want to say the stereotypical but it sounds like just the the natural progression that we've seen for our disc golfers, whether it's one vehicle you're starting out in and then you're going to the next, already thinking, of course, about the, the official tour vehicle and, and one that you're going to be a lot more comfortable in and probably one that's a little bit more reliable. Uh, would you say in the documentary your, your minivan has 200,000 miles already? 315,000 as of this week, yeah. All right. Well, well, knock on wood, it's got about, what, 5,000 left in it at least to get you back? That's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> Have you had any major issues Perfect. with it or, or, or has it been pretty reliable? 
it's been very reliable. You know, I've gotten a couple small things done on it over the season and, you know, keeping up with the oil changes and tires and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's been doing great so far. Just hoping it, it keeps on going strong. <laughs> Love it. Um, what can you tell us? And I know I asked you earlier about, you know, your takeaway, but if you were, uh, if you were a spokeswoman for either the event or or the experience, or or you were selling the vacation package, you name it, what what how what's the elevator pitch for the Canadian Nationals, and and who needs to be listening to that? I guess is maybe the next question. Like who needs to hear that pitch, if anyone? Yeah. So the plan now, I believe, is Canadian Nationals. The tournament is moving to a different location, um, but. I'm super stoked because next year um, they're they're hoping to run a tournament called the Dismania Open um, at the same location in PEI with the same staff. Um, I mean, my pitch is that I'm I got there and within like one day I decided I'm bringing my mom to this next year. You know, it's it's basically like a vacation. Um, amazing disc golf courses, amazing food, amazing views, good weather. Um, just great people, uh, people who are really excited to have pros in the area as well. And, um, yeah, Ben, Ben Smith and his team do an amazing job. Um, I think one of the benefits too, is that they get, uh, money from the Canadian government to help support bringing pros up, help support running the tournaments. Um, so that definitely adds to it, making it a really, really high quality tournament and great communication as well. So, you know, if you if you like those things, you should you should do that. And also, you know, I, I know they're they're trying to make it hopefully some sort of elite series next year, um, maybe silver series or or big event. But I think it would make a great one, um, and I think they have the infrastructure to do it. Is this the, is this the same event that I mean? We know that Discmania just announced the P uh, uh, the Discmania Open next year. Uh, on PEI, yes. Pro- probably the same crew, same everything. Uh, I heard like forty thousand minimum added cash next year. Mm. Uh, I-, I-, I don't know if they're gonna. I haven't heard. I mean, I don't think anyone's heard yet about what's going on for next year as far as Silver Series or Elite Series events yet. But I would, it, it would be awesome to see them jump up to at least a Silver Series. I think that's a great place to start before you. You know, I don't know if Jeff would let everyone jump right onto the. Uh, right onto an elite series event, but I mean, if it's For if it's sure. run by known people and it's a good enough event that everyone says, well, why not? I heard the the courses are phenomenal, so yeah. And they've had the consistency. You know, this is my first year up there, and obviously they had a couple of years affected by the pandemic. But you know, there have been pros going up there um, and playing Canadian nationals. I think maybe as far back as 2017 or even 2016. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure on the, the dates there, but you know, they, the, the, the people who run it have shown that they have the consistency to put on an elite event every year. And they really listen to feedback too. Like, I think that's one of the coolest things, you know, there's, you know, honestly, I've played some events where the TDs have asked for feedback and get mad at you for criticizing their tournament or just offering even simple changes. And these people are not like that. So it's definitely a very inviting environment. Obviously it's like a little, out of the way for for some pros but it's i think it's only like six or seven hours from here in vermont up to pei so it's not too bad of a drive and i think it's definitely worth it 
Well, it uh, it it also helps set the record for amount of pictures we see. I think for Niagara Falls is, is I don't know if uh, did, did you stop there as well on your way through on your way by. I did not. I I actually so I drove <laughs> from uh, Emporia to Boston and then I flew from Boston to PEI. So um, I was driving okay. past that area in the dead of night. So I don't think it would have been that exciting at that time. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, the uh, the amount year. of pictures. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, is, is there anything, uh, is this your, is this your first time on our show? Is, how, is that silly? I think it is. No? I think I was time. on sometime last year. Yeah. Yeah, you were. Yeah, I apologize. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, regardless, I, know, I, I was going to say, I'm like, I think we've talked all ultimate with her and she, at this point, She's probably sick of answering the same ultimate questions over and over and over. So I'm glad we kind of skipped over most of that. Um, well, so my one of my final questions then for you, uh, please recognize or thank any sponsors or how people can support you. Where can they buy discs? You know, give us give us uh, give the world all of those uh, opportunities and, and plugs, please. Yeah, good timing, actually. Obviously, you know, my three main sponsors, Dismania, Upper Park, um, and OTB through Dismania. Um, we're actually going to be putting out a uh, special bottom stamp DD3 um, for my uh, distance thing. <laughs> um, and I believe mm-hmm. the pre-orders are starting on Friday, so check that out if you want to um, get one of those. Obviously, they help support me on tour. Um, support me building my van next year. Um, you can use the code L10 at, for, to buy any bags on the Upper Park website. I just got the new Onyx Rebel. It's sick. Um, and then OTB, you can use the code Ella for free shipping. Um, and, yeah, honestly, just thank you guys for having me on. Thank you to Ben Smith for organizing an awesome tournament up in PEI and getting me up there. So, yeah, thank you, everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. It was, it was episode just 353. So not that long ago. It shows you how cloudy my, uh, you know, it's, it's a big day and I don't know. Terry, that was 70 episodes. That was 70 episodes ago. (laughs) That's a year and a half. So I get it. It's okay, Terry. I forgive you. You've been uh, traveling, traveling quite a bit, you know, (laughs) you got that jet lag. Yeah. Things are a little uh, getting a little hazy for me. Well, make sure to go out there and follow uh, Bagel Powered out on Twitter. I know I do. If especially if you want the hottest Mariners takes, by all means, and some WNBA content as well, and a little bit of disc golf sprinkled in there. Definitely make sure to follow Mm -hmm. Ella. Yeah, that's really Twitter is where I like. You know, that's like unhinged Ella. Instagram, (laughs) I'm I'm more together. You know what I mean? But you can also follow me on Instagram Uh, at at one thing Ella. Uh, I feel like um, that should be that. Yeah, that just might. If I beat everybody to it, that's going to be my next Twitter burner account. Unhinged Ella should be my next <laughs> Twitter burner account. I like that one. All right, Ella. Well, uh, congratulations. Uh, you know, obviously, this isn't your biggest paycheck necessarily, but uh, certainly, you know, yet another uh, milestone in your in your very early career here and uh, awesome to see and uh, clearly nothing but accolades for the event. Uh, congrats to uh, Thomas Gilbert on the MPO side and all your other champions at the event. But uh, to hear the the praise and the accolades that you give the event uh, certainly sound like they or should resonate and carry a long way with everyone else. And I'm sure we're going to continue to see big things from the event uh, moving forward. And uh, hopefully, like you said, your mom, 
can join you next year and you'll be back to defend that title. But thank you for joining us. And of course, best of luck this weekend. Uh, me and Val will be watching from afar from the other side of the country. And uh, hopefully Thanks. we'll be talking about you uh, up there on a lead card this weekend. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me on. Of course. All right. Have a good night. Thanks for joining night, us Ella. again. Congrats. See ya. Good night. Okay, there you have it. Ella Hansen, your champion. Uh, as she said, in fact, I think if I would check my emails, I'm sure Discmania sent something out uh, in the last few days talking about the opportunity to uh, buy that disc. Uh, I was just going to look for it. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure I'll be out there making sure I pick one up. If so, I'll have to take a look a little later. Uh, I'm not quite caught up on emails, believe it or not. Um, all right, let's talk real quick uh, on the, as we mentioned, Thomas Gilbert taking it down on the MPO side. Congrats to him. Um, and then, uh, I'm sorry, I'm reading off screen. It goes here. Thomas Gilbert, uh, Matt, Matt Bell. Matt Bell, yep. three strokes behind him. Um, Casey Hainmare, uh, which shot a two under par. So that was 12 strokes behind Thomas. Uh, and then Gillis uh, McDougal. In fourth place, uh, fifth place, Mr. Uh, the Horseshoe Putter himself, Jake Hebenheimer. Tied for fifth mm. place with Jake is Charles Blanchett. That's Seven- Jason, by the way. What? It's Jason or Jake, by the way, Hebenheimer. He goes by both, apparently. He goes by Jason on his on his PDGA? Oh, Okay. It's it's sorry, go on. It's Jake on UDisc, but I've heard other people refer to him ah. as Jason as well. I was going to say because I, I didn't realize that he had it listed differently. On yeah, the it's PDGA. listed differently depending on what you ask. But okay. you're right; it is. I have heard okay. both, but on UDisc, I'm just reading it off. It does say Jake Ebenheimer, uh, unless it's his yeah, evil. Exactly. Okay. Now, if he shows up with a goatee like an evil twin, then <laughs> I think that would be phenomenal. Um, uh, Charles Blanchett tied with him, seventh place. Chris uh, Ozelins. Uh, eighth place, Dustin Keegan. Ninth place, Brian Fries, and tenth place, Dylan Reese. So okay. that's your top ten in the MPO. Real quick, uh, I'm just going to go through top five for FPO. We saw Ella. Yep. Who? Thanks for joining us tonight, Ella. Catherine Tang, uh, tied with second place with Jordan Moens. Fourth place, good friend of the show, Zoe Andike, and fifth place, uh, Julie Moens. So congratulations to the top five. All right. As you said, Len, uh, you know, I know we also, of course, we had the Tim Selinski Masters, which we'll get to in a moment. I want to quickly jump over to where I was. Spoiler oh. alert, if you oh, don't I... want to. Uh... Okay, you can talk about that. And then after that, we'll talk about Butler, the the, the Silver Series. And then after that, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the Masters. I, I, Nova's on the board just screaming at us to talk about the Masters. Well, <laughs> Nova can simmer down for a second. I'm just teasing. She's not. Uh, I know, um, but I want to, let's see if I can pull it up. Again, if you want to wait for coverage, which actually just needs commentary, uh, the edits are actually done. So if you want to wait for it, you can go ahead and and uh, tune out for a moment as I'm going to talk about what we saw for the sixth stop on the Swedish Disc Golf Pro Tour. Uh, Michael Bowie had reached out to me way back in March and had said that uh, he was going to have this event along with obviously five others that were preceding it. 
and that I could uh, come out, be part of the overall crew to do some of the media. Super excited for the opportunity. This is really my first time that I've been in Sweden. Of course, I've been uh, at the airport in Stockholm probably a half dozen times, maybe even more. Don't really count that because there was no extended time or visit, although it is a nice airport. Um, so, and I don't know why I always feel like I have to say this, but I've had the pleasure of being in Norway twice in the last 10 years and Finland twice in the last five years for events, but never in Sweden. So finally, I, I got the chance to spend some time there and I could go on for hours about it, but I won't. I'll keep it to pretty much the Gulf here. Um, ended up being 29 players. They just had an event there at this course a few weeks prior. And I think uh, there was some emphasis in people playing that. And then the timing of this one, uh, I think, hurt the participation just a little bit. But uh, when it was all said and done, Anders Svard won the uh, MPO. Uh, Joseph Berg came in second. Uh, Pele Carlson, who is brother to Linus Carlson. So there's some kind of a funny story there. Uh, but he finished in a tie for third along with uh, Yalmar Fredrickson. I actually know some of these names. I think it's Yalmar. Uh, Gustav uh, uh, Dahlin uh, uh, also in that tie for third. So that's what we saw on the MPO. And I mentioned earlier that Sarah Lee was at this event, and she's touring around playing as much disc golf as she can, getting in the experience. She's the ultimate co uh, convert. She had made a post. She finished in 22nd. Um, Pizza's there, Terry. Terry, go get your pizza. Yeah, pizza. Hold on one sec. Let me hold on. Someone's calling. Someone's uh -huh. calling Terry's hotel room. That's ominous. I've stayed at a lot of hotel rooms. Other than wake-up calls, yeah, it, I can't think of any time anyone has ever called my hotel room. Other than maybe... Way back in the day when, like, we would get two hotel rooms and we would just prank each other's rooms. But uh, other than that, who called you at your hotel room? Uh, <laughs> there's free local calls, so I was just calling people. No, uh, that was the front desk. There was an issue earlier with a kind of a funk. And uh, <laughs> did it come along with you or was it there before yeah, you got there? It, it's all taken care of. Anyway, so what I was saying is uh, Sarah, who hasn't been playing that long. Uh, I had a great talk with her, uh, you know, about her ultimate and, and now her international travels. Uh, she had made then a post today also stating that uh, rather than playing a division of one and winning uh, FPO, she played in the MPO division uh, and she ended up finishing in 22nd, beating seven, excuse me, six or seven other competitors. So I just, what I, I guess the main point there is, A, I think she's going to be really good. Uh and continue to keep an eye on her, but B the fact that she's got that competitive spirit and went out and played in MPO when uh, there wasn't uh, otherwise it would have been an uncontested FPO division. So I thought that was very cool. So no FPO uh, winner to speak of, so to speak, it would have been her, but uh, she played MPO. So um, yeah, awesome time. Uh, aside from seeing Disc Golf Terminalen, where the Chalettea Open has taken place, where they've had a major uh, back in 2015 when we saw uh, 
you know, uh, Devin Owens and, and Eric McCabe and a ton of uh, top-level pros all there. Um, it was awesome to see this course that is more than 20 years old. Uh, it's just historic in terms of Sweden. And then uh, I could gush for hours about all the time that I got to spend uh, with Thomas Ekstrom, who is one of the co-owners of Latitude, who then showed me literally the the most humble of apartment beginnings where <laughs> Latitude started and then showed me the the next, fa- uh, we'll say factory or warehouse, then drove me to the next warehouse. And then I think there was yet another one in between there. I saw where Discmania is, is being produced and then arrived at the Latitude Warehouse, which if you followed my Instagram at all, I did. I made quite a few posts and they're not even fully moved in. And my comment to him just yesterday was, well, you know, by the time I find my way back here, are you going to be in yet another new building? This seems to be a trend. And he said, well, probably not. Uh, probably not another new building. This this one hopefully will hold them for a little while. But I I cannot say enough about uh, first of all, the the incredible hospitality. So thank you to Thomas and and everyone else. But just the the time that we spent together, we spent hours hours. We'd get lunch and then we'd just end up sitting at the table, kind of like you and I have done, Johnny. But oh. we'd sit there and talk for three hours. And when he was talking about nineties disc golf <laughs> against Ken Climo or being at the Worlds, you know, in '96, and 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 there, here's a quick crazy story. He was telling me that the official stats for the World Championships are wrong uh, in the '96 Worlds in Indiana. He he made it to what was the finals. He he just absolutely destroyed the finals and shot really well. I think they took eight that year, and he shot. Um, like six or seven under on the nine holes. They have it in there incorrectly and they gave, and Crazy John has the score of 21, which is what Thomas shot. And uh, Thomas has five strokes worse. And and he said the, the scores are incorrect and that's how they're permanently marked. Oh. Uh, and so instead of being tied for sixth, it shows them tied for eighth at the world's. Or whatever it is, and I'm like, this this needs to change. This is a this is a travesty. Um, let's but, let's let's call up uh, Steve Gans and get him on this. Yeah. So the 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 stories about every iconic, uh, well known and iconic legend of our game. You know, he he had played against them, and he's in the Hall of Fame himself, uh, the Disc Golf Hall of Fame, and then to go on and and create. Uh, latitude along with a couple other uh, incredible partners like email. And uh, it just, I, I, I was just in heaven. I, I, I just can't say it enough. Um, he also, when I got there and got the tour the first day, he, we were going to go play golf and I didn't bring any discs and they set me up with an all essentially, yeah, an all latitude bag. And I, of course I've thrown some discs. I don't, you know, it's, it's not a secret that I don't, actively go out and and try to revamp my bag on a <laughs> weekly basis uh, my bag's oh, been kind of stuck in you, like you, you've got a bird in your bag no you've got a bird in yeah, your bag so 
I I brought I brought some back, and uh, I finally have now thrown the Grace, and I've thrown uh, a ton of other discs, including the Fuse and whatever. Uh, the Gauntlet, solid putter for me. Um, it was it was so much fun. I ended up playing two rounds. We played the Yellow Course, and then we played the Red Course, which is what they played for the whole weekend. And then I I played the the absolutely iconic. Uh, par six, the starting hole on the black course, which most of you would know from coverage, uh, legit par six at what, 1300 feet or 1200 feet or something like that. And you'd think it's dumb, but it's not like you'd like, Oh, a 1300 foot hole. It, yeah. It's like three or four other really good holes that could all be shorter. But, uh, when you're playing the black course, it's a par six and I, I parred it and, um, I played I wouldn't say I've played it flawlessly, of course, but I took a par and then I birdied uh, hole number two, which is an island hole. And uh, yeah, so I, I got my time there. I met locals. I met like to go into a bar and to have people that know disc golf that were that work at the bar and they're not tournament players, but they know disc golf. They know latitude. They know our top pros. They know um, live broadcasts and post-production. There was just, yeah. I mean, there's a basket at the airport. Like when you arrive, there's a basket. Like it's just, it's so incredible. And what, you know, Thomas and the crew and, and latitude. And then, you know, they're now producing discs as we know for disc mania, uh, and they're producing all the discs for Castaplast, uh, along with obviously Dynamic Discs and Westside and Latitude. Um, it was it was awesome. In fact, I, I think maybe I'll put some thoughts down on paper and have an entirely separate recap of that on another day on another channel. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was so much fun, and the hospitality in the city and everything else was great. So. Um, anyway, that's what we saw for the tournament. Uh, Swedish Disc Golf Pro Tour, they're going to have their championships. I think it's in about a month. Everybody's kind of qualified and has set their positions, and uh, I'm going to keep an eye on it. And uh, Michael and and the ho- the slew of people, I mean, they're very much emulating what we're seeing on the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, a ton of assets on the course, a bunch of great banners and flags and tents, and, and there was uh, – coffee and uh coffee water and then fresh fruit all available on the course you know scattered throughout the course it was uh lunch uh was there it was very awesome to see the production and the show that they're starting to put on and and you know it's you know johnny i'm sure you're not surprised it's a real testament to seeing you know kind of like what ella was saying too to see the infrastructure and the ideas kind of get passed on of how to run and administer a high-level event. The Disc Golf Pro Tour is setting and resetting the standard, and others are are taking bits and pieces of that and then uh, making their events better as well. And, and Swedish Disc Golf Pro Tour is is you know trying to follow in those footsteps. So uh, awesome to see, uh, and and. Um, couldn't be happier about it. I feel like my last point on that would be today already. I feel like I have a a a Swedish uh, or a Skeletvia hangover of 
not like physically, but just the idea of like, I'm, I'm back and already just like any other amazing country or disc golf experience you have, you're back and you're already thinking about, well, wait, when do I get to go back? When do I get to experience it again? What's coming up, you know, next year uh, that will possibly allow me to get back there and be part of it again, because uh, just so many good vibes and experiences there. So that's what I left with and that's what I'm already feeling. And uh, it was incredible. So let's jump over. Uh, we'll, we'll save the, the Disc Golf Pro Tour Silver Series for last. Let's jump over to some of our some of our pioneers, our originators, our, our early um no, they're you know, not iconic figures. They're not anymore. All these guys are young now. These guys, <laughs> yeah. we have such a such a new uh, bunch of people. Come on, none of these people are new. We've got the Tim Selinski um, Masters, U.S. Masters that took place in the Quad Cities again, not far from where you and I live. It's about three, 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 three and a half hours, hours at yeah. most. And uh, again, this weekend was super busy uh, with a million things going on and. If if I wasn't in Sweden or at Simon's wedding, then or at the Disc Golf Pro Tour <laughs> Silver Series, U.S. Masters is another place I would have loved to be. That ranked um, that ranked like fourth on your list this weekend. Terry. No, it was a like, busy weekend. I, I I'm not, no, I'm not like, joking. Like, just you're right because we we saw Simon Lazat get married, and uh, like a ton of top pros were there, and and the Canadian event, and you going to Sweden, and there just there was a lot going on this weekend. But let's quick talk about. The the Tim Slinsky Masters Open, which is a major. Yes, it is. Age-protected major. Age-protected major. Uh, MP40, Brad Schick takes it down again. I believe, is this the third straight year? Or maybe no, it's the third one. No, I think one. just back-to-back. Maybe it's back-to-back. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he, this might be... Sure. A, uh, I thought... I, mean, I, I Obviously, you know, there's a really good chance I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, for sure he has it back to back. I thought maybe he has a third one, but I could be wrong there. Either way, um, oh no, you, you, you're, uh, yep, you're wrong. Um, no, just twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. Okay, I, Come on, how I, old I, do you think the guy is? Old enough to win. Um, anyway, mm, yes, Brad, he is. Brad Schick takes this down with a thirty three under par, three better than Tyler Horn. Uh, third place, Alan Wagner. Fourth place, uh, Michael Blakely. I'm sorry, Matthew Blakely. My bad, Matthew Blakely. Mm -hmm. Tied with Kevin McCoy. Sixth place, near and dear to our heart. One of the few people with a Smashbox tattoo. Probably the only. (laughs) I'm going to say few because, you know, Terry, I I don't know. I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to No, I know. That's why I'm saying probably (laughs) the only, though. Uh, One of the few. Um, Dutch Napier, uh, Chris Sprague takes seventh place, eighth place, Andrew Brown, ninth place, Al Hermosillo, 10th place, Joe Revere. I was honestly, and you know, no offense, but I was a little shocked to see Joe down in 10th. He was one of the higher rated players and what mm-hmm. Joe has a full-time position, you know, outside of disc golf. So you never know the, I don't say the condition he's in, but how much practice he's got, but ultimately 10th place. Joe 1027, one of the highest, if not the highest rated player in the division. He was. Yes, he so, was the highest rated. So 10th place. But the competition's getting getting fierce. Let me put it that way. Uh, and then we move over to FPO Masters Women 40 plus. There were 12 in the division. Um, some of our actual uh, touring FPO players showing up and winning 
handily, no surprise, own Scoggins. Own Scoggins shooting mm-hmm. at 14 under par, um, 983, 1,013. <laughs> she, she, she cruised to a 955, which is 20 points below her rating, and then follows it up with a finals of 1,008. So Own Scoggins just hammering the field. Uh, second place, Sarah Hokum shooting a three under par. After that, Jen Allen was at 16 over uh, Kim uh, Gianola was at 17 over so it just some really good play terry did you see that ratings were updated today yeah holy shit ratings ratings are useless terry Terry. i'm not asking for your stupid uh monologue on ratings. no but they're useless but look at my rating terry do you know where own scoggins ranks in fpl right now um, well, she was 971. I haven't clicked on her, which would give me a new update for today. Do I was it. just double checking, though. No, I mean, okay. I, I was just I'll, I'll say this. Her event rating was 991. Do you know where she rates in highest rating? Who who Who's above uh, her? Nine, if she was 971, I would say arguably Kristen Tatar is probably the only woman above her right now. Mm, you're wrong. Um, Kristen Tatar and Paige Pierce. She's the third highest uh, rated woman in the world, and she's a Masters aged player. So, mm-hmm. Own Scoggins is she an good. ageless wonder, and she good. She good. That's it. You know, it, it doesn't matter. She's just good. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to MP50, uh, Barry Schultz. Former Wisconsinite, now North Carolina guy, wins that one over Yeti by uh, pretty handily, actually. 16 strokes. Mm-hmm. Third place, Rob Ryan. Fourth place, Rod Fritz. Rod Fritz? The yeah. Ripper? The Ripper? The oh, Ripper. The Ripper. All right. Um, <laughs> that's just a name I haven't heard or thought of in probably 10 years. Um, uh, well, you've been missing out. He's been playing a few events. I, I'm sure he has. I just, we don't you're, cover, you're just, yeah. we don't cover MP50 clearly. Um, fifth place, Andrew Jones. Congratulations. Uh, FP50. We get first place again, a, a touring cashing FPO player on the disc golf pro tour. JK five time Juliana Corver winning this shooting a one over par besting Barrett white and Nova who's on the board by a lot of strokes, but those two tied at 19 over par. Um, congratulations to them winning a thousand and two dollars each. JK won seventeen fifty, and in fourth place was Sandy Gast winning seven hundred dollars. So congratulations to Nova, who I know is out on our board right now. Um, so it's uh, I, I enjoy following Nova on social medias and giving her a hard time on the podcast. MP fifty five, Pete Caldwell. MP sixty, Eric Rainey wins this one. Congratulations, Eric Rainey, an old schooler, uh, as most of these people are. Mo- most of the people in this division are not just coming into the sport, although <laughs> no, although it's not impossible. Um, but FP sixty was Pamiflage winning this one. Uh, Pam uh, Renicky, so congratulations. Mm-hmm. MP sixty five, Jeff Hungerford, big fan of Jeff Hungerford. Uh, MP seventy, does this? Does this man have more majors than any other person? 
Um, I don't know. Well, I, I can quickly look. I feel like I saw some I, stat. I, I don't that know. Set I honestly, I just it, it's probably not true just because I thought of it. But Doctor Rick votes every year. 14, 14, 15, 16. I count sixteen. Sixteen. Okay, so Kenny still has eighteen, I believe. Um, Kenny has no. the most. And granted, um, I think all, maybe not all of Doctor Rick's are age protected, but still, Doctor Rick, uh, the very first guy who. One of the first people I ever got to see play in the MPO division, who at the time was he 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 felt like the own Scoggins of the of the era. Like he could not throw as far as any of the other players, but you get that guy anywhere near the circle, and he was putting it in. Just so consistent, um, way back in the day, and just continuing to to crush it. Uh, and then we go to FP seventy. And Dr. Rick's wife, Sylvia Vokes, wins this one uh, <laughs> by a mere 35 strokes. Um, so congratulations, Sylvia Vokes, uh, winning the FP70. Uh, and then there's there's the amateur divisions that I'm not going to bother going through. Just congratulations to the amateur winners out there. It's a lot of fun. So um, anyway, that that's your Tim Selinski U.S. Masters Championship brief summary. Yes. Barry, Barry um, has 17 majors now is what I'm hearing from Pilcher. Yes. I uh, saw a post and, and then naturally that's, that's you know, because people love to argue no matter what you do. Uh, I start thinking about when people uh, want to discern um, age-protected majors as opposed to open majors. Obviously, that's going to be part of the Kenny conversation, just all of it, and taking down majors and, and you know, looking at, um, you know, uh, for instance, uh, Sylvia did have uh, three other competitors. Okay, I, I, yeah, I know yeah. Sylvia, to no fault of her own, she's often been in divisions where it's mm-hmm. been just her. And, you know, she's won world titles and whatnot. And there's, there's, it's not fair to put an asterisk there because you can only beat the people that show up. But at the same time, clearly some feel more, uh, more competitive than others when you're talking about uh, some of the event standings and whatnot. So uh, congrats to all of them. As I said, uh, awesome to see the age protected event in honor of Tim. This has been around for quite some time and, um, you know, quad cities has now been host of a number of large events, including all in the last, I think five or six years, they hosted am worlds. They've hosted a U.S. women's and now they've hosted a U.S. masters, uh, Tim Selinski masters, and I'm sure they're going to continue to do so. So, uh, and and for those who may not know, you know, the likes of Ben Calloway and, and uh, Chris Sprague, you know, a couple of the names that you often see associated with that general area uh, out on our tour. So congrats to all the winners and everyone that got a chance to play. And now we can move on. Yet yeah, one more. One more final event, the Silver Series event. One more, yeah, larger scale event. <laughs> Butler County Disc Golf Classic out in Pittsburgh. Heavily kind of wooded. formally known as the uh, the Pittsburgh Flying Disc Open, yep. or the Shoals Bike, um, mm-hmm. you know, presented by them. Uh, is it Shoals? I apologize, I've never been to the event. Uh, so, nope. but yes, Bucks County or not Bucks County? What is it again? Bucks? Yeah, 
Butler County. Not Bucks County. Butler County. I apologize. Butler County. Bucks County is in New Jersey, uh, home of Tyler State Park. Anyway, um, there was some naming conversations and using a course and everything else. Uh, and they really wanted to put themselves on a map and uh, hosting a silver series with some serious added cash and getting some big players is a good way to do it. So what did we see unfold there, Johnny? We saw probably, according to some of the top pros, and if you watch post-production, which I haven't yet, maybe one of the best rounds in the last, for sure this year, but maybe in the last couple of years, Joel Freeman shooting a 14 under par to come back to win. He was down by three or four going into the final round on fire. Just couldn't miss heavily wooded course was, was puring lines, crushing discs. Uh, it ended up only being, I think a 1077 rated round, which is a whole nother discussion that a lot of people are having um, as far as, and for better or worse, we'll, we'll talk about it afterwards, but any either way, Joel Freeman crushing the field. Chandler Kramer having a, a slightly disappointing final round to take second place. He was in the lead, but ultimately when someone shoots a 14 under on that type of course, um, you, you just tip your cap to them and, and move on. Third place, uh, Linus Carlson shooting a 16 under, so 10 strokes behind Joel Freeman. Fourth place, Matty O tied with James Proctor uh, at... At 1500, you can find all of this footage at the Disc Golf Pro Tours YouTube page if you're interested. Um, they, they have it, and you, you're going to want to watch. Go watch the final round just for Joel Freeman, is my understanding. Just watch what he is able to do, and just throwing the disc in every which way, and just the, the, the smallest of gaps seemed enormous to him. Apparently, so I'm I'm looking forward to to actually. Again, I've I even said this on the board tonight. I my personal YouTube page. I don't follow. I follow one disc golfer on my entire personal YouTube page, and it's Alden Harris. And other than that, I don't follow anybody. Um, the Smashbox page follows a couple people, and this and that. But um, I've got a couple. I've got a, a Smashbox pay personal one. I've got a lot of different YouTube accounts, but my personal one. Yeah, uh, I'll just Alden Harris, which is the funniest YouTube out there right now. I'm actually going to go ahead and go and, and watch this post-production because I want to see Joel Freeman's round because everybody's raving that it's that good. Uh, moving over to FBO. Yeah. Go ahead, Terry. Sorry. Uh, real quick about Joel is just that I think the post I saw from him is uh, he, he had said something about um, sorry, let me just find it so I can essentially repeat it. And maybe uh, he said he almost didn't. Uh, no, that's Chandler. Sorry. Um, must've been on his Instagram, but anyway, it was, it was it, yeah. to paraphrase. He said he, he, he played well and, but he also got a little bit lucky on, I think he said three straight holes, like 12, 13 and 14 or 11, 12 and 13, something like that. He also got some good breaks in addition to playing well. And that, uh, obviously led him to where it did. And not that, you know, that's where he's giving all credit was to some lucky breaks. But uh, and then and then within that, uh, near the end of that, if I recall, he said he apologized for the way he had either handled or conducted himself in the earlier rounds. And and I don't know any backstory to it. Again, I was in Sweden. But if he's if he's I'll say typical Joel Freeman up and admitting it. Yeah. Typical Joel Freeman. It, and and and. Uh, and then Chandler Kramer was the same way final round. They, you know, we've, we've seen them just uh, go into a shell during the round and not be, a, not necessarily be 
I don't say a pleasure to play with, but really just kind of um, stay to themselves, mumbling, not necessarily the the most happy players out on the course. So when things don't go their way and that's, you know, and that's something he, he fully admits and has to work on. And then, you know, it's, uh, it, it's easy to be happy. And, and when, when, when you're apparently getting three breaks in a row, I'm sure your card mates didn't appreciate it. You know, that's just when you're shooting well. And then on top of that, you're getting breaks. I know how I've been in that position, watching somebody do that. You kind of roll your eyes and be like, well, I guess it's their day. You know, they're getting everything. Uh, so mm. it's, it's just one of those things. And hopefully he can, it's something he's at least acknowledging. And I'm excited to hear that maybe it's something that he can approach in the future. You know, that, that, it, that when things don't go his way, he realizes that, guess what? You get to come out tomorrow. It's a whole new day. You know, it, it he's not the player anymore. That is, I don't believe running paycheck to paycheck or tournament to tournament these days. You know, he's one of our top, our top 10 players in the world right now. So hopefully he's not doing that. Um, and he's able to make a living with, you know, without having to worry about whether he's taking third or fifth. So anyway, uh, we're going to move on to the FPO field. Kristen Tatar, no surprise wins this one by eight strokes. She, she, I think she had like a 96% chance to win going in something ridiculous. Uh, but the, the, the field was not nearly as deep as we've seen in other silver series or definitely the elite series events. She wins over Jessica Weiss, who shot an eight under par. Lisa Fakus with a two. Maria Oliva with a plus two. Uh, Luque with a plus six, or lucky, depending on what you want to, uh, who you ask. Uh, Rebecca Cox at seven over. Holly Finley tied with, uh, at seventh place with, oh God. Katie Tate. I always screw that one up. That one I can't get, I can't get, uh, sorry. So, Anyway, that's that's your top. Oh, I'll just I'll round out the top ten. Uh, Leah Leah T. <laughs> uh, the T is silent, and and uh, ten Madison Walker. Those are your top ten. Mm, yeah. All right. Well, some jockeying for position possibly with some points. That's We're what getting this some is. Much needed points uh, this weekend here on the Silver Series. I think there's twenty five percent of the points are available and uh, like you said some people trying to just get a few extra points maybe cushion where they are or fight for a, a different position within the pro tour standings um so very cool uh again uh i haven't had a chance i probably won't uh because there was so many different things going on uh go back and watch it but it sounds like everything was uh was incredible and obviously the course very difficult uh out there and uh we'll see if it you know, I think this brings in the bigger question, and this goes along with what we saw in Canada, is it, are all events always seeking that next level of going from Silver Series to being a regular series event, or or can you just be a very consistent, solid Silver Series event because may, maybe that's all you want. Maybe yeah. that's all that fits in the schedule. I mean, I I don't know. I can't speak to their their initiatives or their prerogative, but I, that's just a question I have in mind when we've seen Silver Series events. You know, a, a Beaver State fling comes to mind when you're talking about 
some cellular signal and and challenges may be there for the whole event. And and I, I don't know. Um, and those aren't those are decisions well above our pay grade that you and I technically really have no influence or or uh, consideration of. But it's just something that is interesting to think about in the long term. Maybe there's just a few events that are 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 I don't want to say just trying to be Silver Series, but maybe they're not looking to take that leap and are very content and or uh, fit fit in that spot as a Silver Series event. And uh, we'll be interested to see if this is one of those events or if this uh, gets a, a, a bump, so to speak, uh, in years moving forward. So I, I don't know. From what I've heard about the course and the little bit I've seen, it, it feels like this is the type of course that needs to be cleaned up a little bit, that some of the lines are not good. Yeah, it's... It's heavily yeah, it sounds wooded. like it's fresh like, from what I heard. Very, yeah. very raw. Oh, uh, I'm going to apologize right away to Kim, who I called Kim Gianola, but it's Kim Gianola. So I, I pronounced mm-hmm. all, this, uh, all the syllables when uh, we're going to just cut that out. So we're, when we were talking about the Masters, sorry about that, Kim. Um, I, I'm going to make that mistake forever. I, I probably will. Um, but thanks, Kim. Um, anyway, Butler County, it is... It, yeah, it's very raw, very raw. And if they yeah, want, to, I mean, if they want to have a, an elite series there, other than a lot of the other things that they need to do, uh, I think they need to clean up the course a little bit. Because I was watching a few highlights, and I was watching. I'm like, there's no fairway there. What is that? That that, that, that that's like five trees. You just need to hope to get past. So we'll mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. I mean, as as we all say, as all designers and early courses say just like you say about a haircut you know you can always take more out you can't add more you can't add any yes, back so for uh, sure you know maybe they're they're seeing how it plays out and um and i guess we'll see yeah uh, what happens and uh, I, but let's talk about that rating i am so pissed off that it was only 1077 i mean i didn't watch any of it but i'm really pissed off uh, god i, I did, this is the last thing all right terry you need to be able to talk about this without being a jackass can you do that? No, 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 no. Yes. I don't want an excuse. Yeah, I can. Yeah, okay. No, no, I can. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> my, my only takeaway, and it's similar to the ratings update today from our players. Yeah. Sure. We'll always say they, they don't not need all, anything. Not all players, say, but you, you are picking certain players correct. that do okay. say that and, and, and extrapolating it to all players. Let's just assume that there's many a player players that, that, that many like players that. say ratings don't matter. They're worthless. They're junk. Who Some cares players about do say them? That. They should only be for amateurs. Yep, blah blah blah. Right. I've I've read it all. Yep. Some players and then say they that. want to talk about their new rating that just came out, and then and then there's even a cross section of these same people that then get worked up about what a round is rating rated. Mm-hmm. Joel said it in his post. I it is what it is. It's rated what it is. It's so much more impressive that he came back and won. He was down that many and won by that many because we That's know the story. Like the W is what matters. C- correct. Like, that's what matters. Yeah, and everybody and knows not, that. But as as Germ kind of pointed out, there are there are reasons to care about specific ratings. You know, if they, let's just play pretend that this this round sure. is 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 rated eleven hundred. This Joel Freeman round, which is what it felt like a lot of people said around it should be rated based on. Where everybody else finished, the competition, this and that, the course itself. I, feel like I should weigh around 180 pounds. Uh, no, too. Go on. I mean, no, yeah. I feel like that's what I should. Well, yeah, you, you and anyway. I both. You and I both. Um, but because think about this. You again, you put the top. Let's just say you put 
Ricky and Paul and everyone out there, and they're all shooting around what Kramer shoots, and Joel still bests them by eight strokes, that round rating is going to be better because of the players that are out there. We don't, it's a funny system, the ratings, and I, I don't have a better system, mm-hmm. so I'm not here to argue for one way or the other. Um, I know Germ put a, put a post out there saying something about how he would like it more top-heavy, you know, where, where you're, you're, those, those top-rated rounds are, you know, a, a 12 down versus a 13 down. That one stroke could be more points versus less points. I'm not here to argue any of that because I don't know the math and I don't care to know the math. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that's the right idea. But I can understand being it for someone to look at this and go like, yeah, 1077 doesn't feel right. We, because when you look at the top rated rounds, when you look at the 1100 rounds, when you look at Paul Macbeth's record setting rounds, you know, you look at this and you go, this is probably better. This was a tougher course and he shot close to what Macbeth did on some of these. Like, I can understand that feeling that the ratings are flawed. And I think they are flawed. I don't have a better. Are they imperfect? Yes. Yeah, that's what flawed is, Terry. Does somebody um, have? Does somebody have a perfect solution? No, nobody does, and no, and no, and nobody has come up with a perfect solution. And I guarantee you, any solution that's put out there, there are downsides to it. There are there there is something that is wrong with that uh, rating system. Nobody has a perfect solution um, because we like, again, we all know we could send people out there uh, another tournament next year. With ha- with you know almost the entire elite series crew, and if if they're all sh- if they're all shooting six seven eight down, and suddenly a nine down is a ten seventy seven, whereas of this year a nine you know fourteen down was ten seventy seven, you're gonna look at that and go like what's wrong with that? There's something clearly off about that, you know. And the again we're assuming weather conditions are similar, all this other bullcrap that is does get taken into account. Anyway. All I'm saying is that I understand the complaints and Germ has some valid discussion points about whether or not, you know, whether this round should be considered one of the best rounds or players that do get bonuses for specific rounds or rated rounds and things like that. I get all of that. Mike, my, my, I also turn around and say, if players are getting bonuses based on their rating, based on um, specific round ratings or things like that, that's already been taken into account. You you can't complain if you signed a contract that said, oh, I get a bonus for every 10, 1070 plus rated round I shoot. And suddenly you're complaining that the rounds aren't rated enough. You knew that going in. Like, this isn't a new problem. So th- there, are, there are definitely pros and cons to either side. I get it all. I, I, I know all the arguments. I don't have a better solution, though. Okay, well, good shooting, Joel. I'm not trying to take away or or downplay how good of a round his was. Um, It's uh, again my 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 challenge is the the some of the hypocrisy that's out there about how much ratings do and don't matter. Well, I I, Uh, I agree. Yeah, I mean, even look at within Germ's response, how many. Or responses to germ. Oh, ratings are trash. Just get rid of them anyway. Sure. And I'm just saying, like that's one of the funny responses. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it just it continues. It will forever rage on. I get it. Yeah. I, um. I, I I just like I can't I said, wait till I come back in four weeks and to, we've got to, more ratings to, to argue about. Well, here here's what I want you to do, Terry. Open up 
I want you to open up a browser tab and type in sheets.new. It'll open up a Google Sheet, and I want you to make start mm-hmm. making a list of the players that that say they don't care about ratings. And then when they complain, mm. you can go off on a rant. I've never heard Germ complain about uh, say that ratings don't matter or anything like that particularly. I've I've heard him complain about different ratings. I've never heard him once say that they don't matter or that they shouldn't count. I've, I think I've kind of heard Yuli say that that after when you become a pro that ratings kind of don't matter anymore. I don't think I've necessarily ever heard Germ say it, but I want you to I want you to make a list. I'm not saying if I did or didn't hear Germ. I'm not even yeah, picking on Germ in no, particular. I know. I know, but I want you to make this list so that I don't have to listen to this every time I talk about a rating update that you go on your your fake whiny voice and and hear about your ratings complaints. So, so I want you to start up that list. Or if we have a smashy out there that that can go back through everyone's social media posts and tell us who doesn't, yes. doesn't care about ratings. I get that. So, we need to track those stats. Those are the ones the, that are important. Stat Mando, get on that right now. Yeah. So, so anyway, that's 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 the big fun going into our GMC weekend. Terry, you're on your way out to Bend to do announcing for GMC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm covering. Yeah. I'm doing the MPO side of the event. So I'll be the afternoon for pushing all the buttons. Other than that, Terry, do you have? Is there anything else that happened this weekend that we need to be aware of? No, I mean, as I said, some uh, some other day I will uh, likely do something on my own of uh, of a recap, possibly um, of uh, of my experience over there in Sweden. But no, I'm all good and and uh, just about running out of juice, gas, all those things um, here soon. Anyway, so I, I'm good. If we uh, we call it, we can go into an after show. Talk about a few more topics, and then uh, we can wrap this wrap this guy up. That sounds good to a me. Wild one, wild. All right, uh, and and as we said, I, we we almost briefly uh, jumped over it, but of course, uh, congrats to Simon and Natalia uh, for their nuptials this weekend. Uh, saw some pictures, and and uh, it was made Facebook official. So then you know shit is serious. So uh, you know I even saw that made happen. So congrats to them uh, on their wedding, and anyone else that got married or had a birthday. We'll say oh, I want to cover all bases in the last week, but uh, of course, congrats to Simon and Natalia. It's uh, he's having one heck of a year. Uh, when you when you think about his last twelve months or so, in terms of not even uh, child, yeah, less, exactly. The last not seven even, months, <laughs> yeah. So child, uh, wedding, uh, multiple wins on the elite series, and uh, you know Simon doing Simon things, and then some. So of course, congrats uh, to them. I'm going to close it out. Uh, for our regular show, this has been Smashbox 420, as wild as you guys expected Woo! it to be. Uh, thank you to Ella Hansen for joining us. Again, congrats to her and all of the big events. Uh, for a quote-unquote off off weekend, it was anything but that because there was so much high-level competition and excitement. And to think that some of our other top pros just simply uh, relaxed or or traveled. It was still jam packed this weekend. So congrats to Ella. Thanks for joining us, uh, Ella. And uh, make sure you go out and support her but with all her social media accounts and uh, any congratulatory diss and uh, bonus uh, action that might be available uh, due to her win, along with all of our other competitors from the weekend. 
I'm Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy. That's Johnny V. Stick around. We're going to have an after show. We'll talk about a few more things before we close out our, our night and our weekend. But thanks for joining us. We'll see you in a moment when you step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash Smashbox TV. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 